text for the sermon this day is taken from 1 Corinthians, which we heard a little bit ago, specifically these words. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So a little note on the service is, for one, I don't know if you notice, I jumble things around keep you on your toes. But the other thing is, is that we're kind of balancing three different things right now. So we're, we, the start of the service was a little bit of All Saints Day. The bulk of the service is going to be, is about our stewardship campaign that we are starting this week. And the last hymn is actually for the Sunday after All Saints Day. But the text, the sermon, we are, we are beginning this stewardship campaign. And to really begin to talk about stewardship, to think about stewardship, you have to get one thing out of the way. You are not your own. You do not exist for your own sake. You exist for the glory of God. God the Father. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created the heavens and the earth, he took dirt, and from that dirt, he created the first man. And from the rib of that man, which he created from dirt, which came from the earth that he spoke into existence, he created the first woman. And from that man, and from that man made from dirt, and that woman made from a rib, flows all of humanity, all the way down to you, all the way down to me. You are all creations of God. God the Father created you. You belong. You are his. In fact, Paul earlier in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 says, even adding to this, you are not your own, you were bought with the price. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, and he created us, it was without sin, it was without death, it was without sickness. Man ruined that. We destroyed it with sin. And so we brought death into the world. And so God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem you who are under the law. And he does it not with silver or gold, but with his innocent suffering and death, his blood shed on the cross. He redeems you, a lost and condemned creature, to live with him in everlasting blessedness. You are not your own. There is a time that you were brought to the thought. And if you have not been brought to the font and been baptized, talk to us and we will make sure that happens. But you were brought to the font and the pastor said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On that day, the Holy Spirit came down, selected you, and chose you to be a child of God. He chose you to receive the blessings that Jesus achieved on the cross 
that you may be an heir of the Heavenly Father. Again, you are not your own. You're created by God the Father, redeemed by God the Son, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So we, which means, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Did Paul say, do occasional things to the glory of God? When you get around to it, do it to the glory of God? Or how about just 6 o'clock on Saturday evening or 9 o'clock on Sunday morning to the glory of God? No, what does he say? Do all to the glory of God. What does that look like? What would it be a life that did all to the glory of God? Think about when you wake up in the morning. What is the very first thing you do? Now you might get up and you may have to go to the bathroom. Then you might brush your teeth, wash your face, comb your hair, whatever. Or, as many of us, how many of us is the first thing we do is we go to the self, our phone, see if we missed any text messages, see if we missed any emails, have to find out what happened on the game last night, or what's the weather, what's the stock market. How many of us are looking there? And by the way, if you want to see how disturbingly our cell phones have a hook on us, go on Netflix and watch The Social Delusion Dilemma. And you'll see just how much it has hooked everybody. And it is it's scary. But so many of us, that's what we do. But how often do we wake up now, if you have to go to the bathroom, you know, go to the bathroom. But, how often do we wake up and we pray? How many of you know where your small catechism is, readily? Could find where it is. Hopefully most of you. If not, you should have it out where you can readily get to it. If you're in confirmation, you better know where it is. But, in your, con in your catechism, you have wonderful resources for how to begin your day. Luther, his recommendation is when you start the day, as soon as you get out of the bed, make the sign of the cross, saying in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. A wonderful start to remind you, you are not your own. You were created by God the Father, you're redeemed by God the Son, and you're chosen by God the Holy Spirit. You are a baptized child of God. It's a reminder, and a reminder that you are His. You are forgiven. You're renewed in your baptism. And then there is a prayer that's called Luther's Morning Prayer. A wonderful prayer to pray each morning. And then you can read, how many of you will read the scriptures? Read your Bible. If you're ever wondering, what should I read from the Bible today? For one, you could go get, Portals of Prayer is a wonderful resource. 
Or, I don't know if you realize this, but our congregation has a devotional that's specific to our congregation. There's a sheet. It's on the, on the Welcome Center every single week called Congregation at Prayer. There's a Psalm of the Week. There's a scripture for each day. There's a part of the catechism, so you can actually, your catechism, you're not done with it when you get confirmed. All things that you can be, take part in. Now what about when you go to eat? So you go, you get your breakfast, maybe you eat some cereal, oatmeal, eggs, French toast, bagel, Pop-Tart, whatever it might be. How many of you make sure that you pray before you eat it? Or what about before lunch? Do you pray? Even if you're in a restaurant, even if you're in a school cafeteria, how many of you make sure to pray? Because you know, the, I'm going to guess that you know the prayer, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. I'm guessing most of you know that by heart. How many of you ever pray after you eat? Your catechism actually has a prayer for that. And there is also a prayer before your meal that's in the catechism. See, those are part of the things that go to living, doing all to the glory of God. But it's not just being in prayer. It's not just being in Scripture. That's very important. Those are things by which God guides you and leads you in a life that is glorifying. But it also means that when you, when you get in the car and you're on your way to work, you drive in a manner that gives glory to God. It means that when you get to work, and the way you treat your co-workers, your employer, or if you are the employer, your employees, you treat them in a manner that it glor gives glory to God. It means that you, don't, you put in your effort. You do not slack. You work the way God has called you to do. It means even in your hobbies, you do your hobbies to God's glory. Whether you're playing golf or maybe you're, you know, yes, uh, Friday, the Falcons beat Spirit Lake and they're going to go to the UNI Dome. And so maybe you go to that game. You even are to give glory in how you are a fan. How do you react to the coach's decisions? How do you react to the refs? I know we don't always like the decisions of the refs. How do we react? Do we give God glory in our conduct? Or if you're on the field and you're playing, or you're, maybe you're in the bench and you're watching, whatever, do you give God glory? You'd be surprised, even in our hobbies, how well you could give God glory. So, I've talked about this before. So, I'm a per I was born in 1982, which I was told yesterday gave people gray hairs when I said that. But, I don't know, so 1982 I think sounds old. I'm feeling older. But anyways, 
I was born in, a, in the grade or the generation that grew up with video games. So Nintendo was coming out, and so we were playing Nintendo, and when N64 came out, we were playing that, and PlayStation, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm of that generation, we're now adults, and yes, we still play video games. But you know something, even something like video games can be used to give glory to God. So there is a group called God Mode Activated. It is a group of several hundred pastors who stream on Twitch while playing video games and taking up opportunity to have conversations with others about the Christian faith. And yes, there are people who have come to the faith through those conversations. An example, something like a video game being used to give glory to God. In fact, yesterday, there was, a, was what's known as Extra Life Day, where a bunch of video gamers were gaming and streaming and raising funds for children's hospitals around the country. And I don't know if you know this, but they raise several million dollars every year. Yes, you heard that right, millions of dollars for children's hospitals. Now, I went through all of that. Do all to the glory of God. How many of you are sitting there thinking, boy, I got this down. And you do it perfectly. I don't. I guarantee it, everything I just went through, there's a, pretty much everything I went through I could think of, I'm failing. But see, this is why if, why is it on Sunday morning? This is the first day of the week. Why is this the day that we come to worship? I mean, yes, it is the day that Jesus rose from the dead, but why did God choose? Why did he choose that day? Because, like I said, it's the first day of the week. The first hours you are awake of the week. You come with all of your failing, all of your sin through the week. And you come and you say those words, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. And then you hear in the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. And you know what? You can take that to the bank. Your sins are forgiven. Every time you have failed to do all to the glory of God, forgiven. And you lift up his name and song and worship. And you hear the scriptures where you hear of what your God has done. And in a little bit you'll come to this altar to receive the body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins. For the strengthening of your faith. Have you ever noticed that? At the end of the service, we always have, right after communion, we have what is called the post-communion collect. And so it goes like this. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. So he's refreshed us, forgiven you, in the body and blood of Jesus, given you peace. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us 
through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. See, in the prayer, it's the prayer that ultimately by the sacrament, by his means of grace, he strengthens you, enables you to go forth and give him glory in whatever your vocation is. Wherever he has called you in life, he leads you to serve. And he calls you again and again to his altar to receive forgiveness. Because there's never a point where you, you fail too much. He keeps forgiving. His grace, he has more grace than you have sinned. And he keeps forgiving. And I know some people say, well, you know what? I don't need to hear. I already know I'm forgiven. I don't need to come to church. I already know God forgave me. Well, put it this, think of it this way. My wife already knows, I'm not married, but hypothetically, my wife already knows I love her. I told her when we got married. I think that's enough. Would that be enough? If that was the only time, gentlemen, you ever said to your wife, I love you, is on the wedding day? I think it'd get a little cold after a while, wouldn't it? Yes, you're forgiven. And you may show the love by the actions you do, but words have power. When you come here, you hear you are forgiven. You hear it. And even more, you taste it in the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. So until he comes, may we in all we do give glory. But never, never take, feel broken. Don't feel hopeless for the moments we fail. Because he calls us again and again to his grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you the one true faith, the life everlasting.